Hey you all, Abe here. This is the new season of One-Upsmanship with Michael Swaim and Adam Ganzer. And if you're wondering how to get more episodes, this month kicks off the new season of One-Ups on the Small Beans Patreon channel. Two new episodes each month for the price of a coffee. No ads, just beans, baby. Patreon.com slash smallbeans. Hey, listen! Technically, this is my, I think, my first podcast back since I graduated. I'm so glad you're back, program. Though. I'm back, baby! Yeah, oh, man. Yeah, back, Fully baby! A, uh, the graduate I'm is a here. a new man. It's like a meteorite struck from Earth and cracked open and Swain walked out <laughs> covered in goo uh, and ready to pod. <laughs> what an image. But, uh, what an image. Yeah, I because this is the pod where... Uh, hi, folks. It's One Upsmanship. Michael Swayman, Adam Ganser, two pals who talk Welcome. about video games. Um, Welcome. Uh, I do a pod about trauma, grief, and depression. And as Adam knows, I like yeah. to destigmatize mental health challenges. I talk about it a lot. I'm very brazen about it because I think our society is like too buttoned up about it. And it's something I struggle with. And I know a lot of people feel like shame talking about blah, 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 blah. But usually I try to confine it to the mm-hmm. pod that's about that. I feel like One Upsmanship is the only podcast we do where eagle-eyed viewers might have noticed towards the end of my time before I took this break that I was starting to like lose it. Um, specifically, if you heard the <laughs> uh, uh, at the end of the Origins, the Assassin's Creed Origins episode, I got real bitchy in a way that I normally am not and like weird. I don't know if I, you edited it around. I cut okay. some of that out, though. I, I, I cut and a lot the of that. The Mega out. Man yeah, X yeah. one, obviously, I talked about one of my episodes. Yeah. Um, and I think Sean was like, it's got very dark for a video games podcast. <laughs> um, but there probably won't be much of that. Because I'm. We, well, who knows? I'm sitting in awe. We didn't talk. I, my time with you right now. And I'm, yeah, man. We, we exchanged like really sweet mm-hmm. emails this uh, yesterday about this. Uh, I never mentioned to the audience exactly what was going on. So just a quick recap. So you took a mental health break, uh, and and uh, as a result, we've recorded something like six episodes. I don't remember exactly how many where you were not here. This is the first one we're recording where you're back. And uh, as I said to you when we, because we did we a few in your during so you your time, notice as much. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know when this will release. It might release after all of those. There might still be some that we don't release uh, till after. But there's just nothing like my Swamy Boy. Mm. There's just nothing like a Swamy Boy. I'm so glad you're back. I don't know which one of us you is know? chocolate so and glad. which one's peanut butter, but that's certainly the dynamic. For <laughs> but we are tasty. Yeah, we are. We are a tasty duo. Uh, so we're doing kind of a fun, uh, sort of more personal reflective episode today, Shipheads. In honor of having uh, graduated from the the difficult stretch we were in, uh, and looking back on the things we've learned, today's episode is about games that formed and shaped our point of view and taste in what games should be. Well, that's right. We talk a lot of shit here about... Well, we both <laughs> sort of take the stance... I, I think I take the stance that my opinions are important or somehow meaningful, and you take of the course. stance that your we opinions both think that. are objectively correct, which is, they're slight shades of <laughs> both different kinds of arrogance, and um, 
I do. Yeah, you know, right. we wouldn't be doing a pop culture pod if we didn't think our opinions on pop culture matter. Exactly. Um, but we exactly. have very different tastes. It's one of the delightful things here because art is subjective. A review is a subjective like act, um, and we hold that view. So uh, I feel like this is a great one to really dial in. This is almost should be the first episode, but I'm too lazy to go back and put it in that order. But uh, yeah, you're really going to find out which games we played when we were the formative age and carried with us and are like, now that's what makes a good game. And it'll probably help you figure yeah. out which of us or what parts of us you vibe with the most uh, better than ever before, which hopefully will make the podcast even more useful to you in the future. Hopefully, or at least you'll know which which of us you don't need to listen to mm-hmm. anymore. <laughs> Get that 15 seconds Maybe forward both. button ready to smash. Yeah, <laughs> that's correct. Uh, so I just want to be clear. This list, for me at least, is not a list of great games necessarily. Uh, this is a list of games that that were important in developing how I feel about video games. Okay, yes. Uh, and, so they're not, not all good. Mm, in this. Not objectively good, but there's For something me. that appealed to you, yeah. right? Like it's not games yes. you didn't like yes. or they presumably wouldn't yes. blah, blah, blah. Great. A hundred percent. But I, I did go in weird, some weird directions here because I had to really think about, uh, I had to think about where did I first get excited about that idea? So it's a weird list. I'll just put it to you that way. I'm just putting yeah. that out there ahead of time. We each have 10. Uh, so what say we, as we, as is our custom, as is our tradition, we serpentine through and take a break after the eight. Sounds good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I also want to say that, no, I'll save that. Okay. Yeah. Let's go for it. Tens a lot. We got to speed up. Okay. (laughs) Red, red. Yeah. And I do have some extras. So, uh, I have a couple, I have like one or two very brief caveats, uh, as is our other tradition. Um, and the first one is. I could just take all of the Super Mario games and say it's those. Uh, and I think that would make a boring podcast. So I think I'm just going to ask that you guys, and you specifically, Mike, understand that there is no more formative game franchise for me at every in- iteration Zelda of gaming than Mario. Uh, every- Halo? All your biggies? Um, I still think yeah, but Mario those are all important okay. and they may Great. pop up. But I think M- Mario is the first... And big many. game for me. It's the prime video game. Yes, for me, that's the one. In fact, it's the first one I ever played. Maybe three. The very platform. first video game. Maybe, I'd have to go yeah. back and check the records, Your Honor. But I've gotten the anecdotal notion that you're not like huge into platformers or 3D platformers. Like you play them and go, "That was good." But I don't remember you ever flipping out about one. Yeah. I don't love them all. I don't okay. love them all, I'm but just, I've played more than you think. Mario's your primary. Uh, it seems to speak to a deep abiding love of jumping. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the platforms it lands on, you'd think. Uh, but I, I just want to say, because otherwise game. I feel like there'd be too many Mario's on here. Okay. Yeah, there's going to be shooting ones. Fear not. Uh, fear not. So, I mean, some of these will not be a surprise, but some of them will. So I'm going to lead off with my number 10. Uh, in a game that I believe will be a surprise, which is Super Track and Field. So, yeah, Super I'm track usually and field. the guy who so, tries to be weird, and I can't tell sometimes if it's yeah. for hipster cred or if it's my genuinely held opinion. I think it's the latter. I fear it's the former, of course. Um, but I've never heard Adam have a weird list. Sure. This is thrilling. That is such a bizarre choice. Explain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I... I <laughs> 
Yeah, I know it is. Thank you. So Super Track and Field was a bundled game that came with the Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, if you bought it from whatever years, like there was a certain period of time where they're like, they were selling a three part game. The first part was Super Mario Brothers. Obviously, that's the big one. The second part was Duck Hunt, uh, which was a great game and I played a lot of it. Um, but the third one was this game called Super Track and Field, which was definitely just sort of jammed in there. And it came with a video game accessory called the Power Pad. And the Power Pad was basically a gigantic sort of like uh, vinyl, I guess, pad that you plugged in. It was an early Dance Dance Revolution pad, yeah. essentially. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it was. And you, what you were supposed to do is, like, you, they, they had little spots where they had sensors or whatever that were like buttons. And you were supposed to actually step on the buttons to simulate running and jumping and stuff. And you're playing track and field games, right? Now, I was five years old when this came out or when I got this, I don't know when it came out. And, uh, I mention it because two incredible things happened that I think are very video gamey. The first is, uh, it was extremely difficult to get a full play session of super track and field because I had siblings. And so siblings meant, meant that, uh, we never were able to really like sit down and understand this video game. So we're constantly fighting to finish a full playthrough of Super Track and Field, it was not as much a problem with Mario or with Duck Hunt because those games were a little more engaging visually. So, like, you know, a sibling could stand not playing it and just watching it. Super Track and Field was not fun to watch as much. So we were constantly fighting over playing, and one of us, I'm not going to say which one, me, figured out that you don't actually have to run on the buttons. You can just, you can kneel down and press them. And so we started cheating uh, on this game to create like long jumps of like, you know, a hundred yards mm -hmm. and stuff, you know what I mean? Cause you just like take your feet off the plat off the thing and then it keeps jumping. Right. So like, this is the game that taught me that you're always playing a video game to number one. Uh, like you gotta, you gotta take your video game time where you can get it. And number two, there's always a way to cheat the game <laughs> like playing it the way it's intended not always the best way to play it and uh, that's like a primary truth for all video gamers and I learned it here at age 5 Gray number, number 10 I have to mention a couple things that came up for me Great. Uh, one is watching a dude at DDR um, play because DDR would have the side by side you know the two for usually so you could compete with your friends yeah. but yeah. at the top of its craze right. when yes I want I, I love that there's younger people that listen to this because I bet they don't know this shit and it would blow my mind if I were them um, that was the game I mained for a long time with my buddy Griffin Rowell and we would go stand in line like it really had an arcade craze moment where there were long long lines to play DDR and people were competitive and I got yep. good at it Yep. Um, but then there was this dude who would go to our arcade and play both at once on his hands, handstand the whole time. And we're like, well, that's that. Like, we're done with this. <laughs> um, it's the equivalent of it was the early version he of logging on to a massively multiplayer game and getting killed by an eight year old in Korea and going, oh, I didn't know that, that I was that bad because I was not only comparing yeah, it's over to my brother me. ever. Yeah. Yeah. It's over for me. <laughs> and my close friends. And, and then the other thing was right. Sega, as ever. To some degree, the bargain version of Nintendo had a thing around the similar time that is my most disappointing Christmas present I ever had. It was called the something ring, active, active ring or something. And it was a ring on the floor that was basically a grocery scanner, infrared lights pointing up. Yeah. The commercial yeah, I remember was a this. kid playing Mortal Kombat by punching and kicking or Street Fighter or something. 
And when I got yep. it and set it up, I realized how it worked is each thing is mapped to a button on the controller and you do it by interrupting the infrared on the correct side at the correct height. So it's like playing a goddamn theremin. Yep. So it's like to press C, duck down and interrupt the front left infrared sensor with your hand. And I'm like, so you end up just painfully squatting, ducking your hands in and out. It terrible, just terrible. One of the worst things ever released. But and, you end um, up playing it like a Simon Says, right? Exactly. Like that's that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. The commercial is just a total lie. And then it's funny to me that cheating in our day was like a controller that would just press spam the pause button to fake slow motion or the game shark, which when I was eight yep. seemed like pornography. Like I thought it was a bad game thing shark supposed to have. Yeah. It was a thing you could plug your games yeah. into and it would break the code and let you fuck with them. Game shark yeah. had ads on television. Uh, and it was like it very much felt like like you said very illicit. The girls gone wild. Like it was the Game Shark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, because yeah, it was paired with those things. Uh, that's right. Uh, anyway, that was my number ten. What's yours, sir? Uh, I I took a little time because I can make it up in the air. Uh, okay. I don't have much to say about my picks other than my caveats right. are no problem. I actually stacked them in somewhat in genre order. And somewhat in order of how much I think, looking back, they influenced my taste in games. And also somewhat in order of, like, the ones you've heard of. Are, I, it all just kind of worked out that way. So my number 10 sure. is one I, I'm pretty sure you've heard of, if not played. Comics Zone. Comics with oh, an yeah. X. I played a little bit of that. Um, it's a yeah. beat-em-up, which is no longer... I find them shallow now. Like, I've been... I got the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles collection. I've been playing through it, and I'm like, Same. it's just not my favorite genre. Stuff has it's we've we've sophisticated out of it. It doesn't hold my interest anymore. But I think it's important because there was a time in my life where it was my primary game input between X Men and uh, TMNT and Avengers games and the Simpsons game and things like Comic Zone um, and Pit Fighter and stuff like that. So. You know, double dragon walking around, yeah, punching and kicking stuff. And for my money, yep. Comic Zone was the coolest, the coolest one I ever encountered. It's a guy who gets sucked into his own comic, which is hokey as shit. But by cool, I mean the design looked cool. It looked really animated. It was a really meaty, punchy thing. And it did, it actually took place on the comic book page. And you would like yeah. flip from panel to panel and decide your path through the page by picking which panel. You would rip the paper apart and dive through it and shit. And I just found that so cool. Uh, and it's extreme. I'm not going to put Sonic the Hedgehog on here because honestly, I like Sonic the Hedgehog as a game, but I don't think it influenced my taste that much. Um, but Comic Zone wow. did. Because along wow. the vein, the reason I mentioned Sonic is Comic Zone encapsulates what, when I was seven, eight, I thought being cool was. And it's a very special kind of cool that was specific to the 90s that is now a trope of the 90s and I think will stand as one of the, like, the extreme. Oh, yeah, that was what the branding told us was cool in the 90s. It's like a little time capsule. Comic Zone is there for that reason and for the beat-em-up reason. I you're not acknowledging, to, in my mind, you're not acknowledging the fact that, it, but it also has a, a thing that I think is quintessentially swame, which is it has a high concept. Uh, it has a it has a meta concept about it. Oh yeah, almost all of mine. Are. You love the that stuff. The concept tickled yeah. my brain as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. 
you love that stuff. Uh, like it makes perfect sense. And and uh, and I promise I'm not trying to be argumentative when I point this out. I just want to point out your game of the year yesterday or last year was Sifu, which is a beat 'em up, <sighs> dude. I started training you know? again. I've never gotten past the yeah, third so level good. and it was my game of the year. I've been playing daily like a routine to try. <laughs> really? I want to get I through love it. to the end. Yeah. You really are a new man. You really are covered in primordial goo. I love it. Well, it's meditative. I love what I'm hearing now here. instead of frustrating. Yeah, sure. Well, our, our serpentine uh, requires that you now say your ninth, sir. That's right. Uh, yeah. Rest in peace, Uncle John, John Swaim, the my most fun uncle. So fun that he drank to excess and ate tons of red meat and smoked cigars every day and died young of pancreatic cancer because that's how that story goes. But goddamn, was he fun. He was the richest in my family when I was growing up. So on the weekends, a lot. We would go to his house, which now I see as like an upper middle class tract home, but it felt like a mansion to me. He had a pool. He had a barbecue, right? He had a giant laser disc collection. And he had uh, a game that I only found there, and I actually constantly looked for it at games. My GameStop in the local mall never found it for the Genesis, but he had a copy, and I was obsessed with it. And it was called Starflight, and it's the oldest. Well, that's not true because Escape Velocity is a primitive version of this and a great game for the Mac, but. Starflight was the first console and more complex with like full graphics and shit space sim, which is still, I've never played the perfect one. Uh, they all have their pros and cons. Um, but I'm obsessed with them because I'm obsessed with star Trek and I can't one day it's, it's like the dragon I'll always chase, uh, in my life is the perfect space sim that I could play for years and years and years. Um, but Starflight started that love off it was a you started in a like a uh you know a space station docked around earth you picked your crew you picked their specializations you allocated them points rpg style you went around the galaxy discovering new planets and systems there was real gravity you had to go into orbit scan stuff from orbit drop a mining drone and then you drive the drone around and mine for minerals you'd trade the minerals meet aliens do diplomatic relationships Upgrade your weapons, blah, 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 blah. Like modern space. It's pretty advanced. It had all the elements and was really complex for the time for the Sega huh. Genesis. And yet interesting, uh, just through everything being simple, like you could compare it to, if you're familiar with dwarf fortress, like it's yep. all just clip yep. art, but the systems are just math and the people poured time into the math and it. Yeah. That's what I was like. The depth of this is astounding to me. Starflight. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it, I can see that it's that's also a precursor for a lot of games that you love now. Yeah, uh, interesting. Okay, um, my ninth one, and I'm not going in in chronological order, but these are both just really early. Are you games. going in influence order? Yeah, I'm trying to. Uh, I'm, but I, I I'm all. It's also like I'm kind of. Feeling it's a it fuzzy thing, but you rank. consciously ordered yeah. them in some way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm doing it now as we speak. Oh. I actually just have a pile, and I'm ordering it now. Uh, so my second one, and I, this is probably the most obscure game on here, uh, is a game called Baseball Stars, um, in part because it was a game that both my brother and I could play. It came out for the Nintendo Entertainment System, um, and it has two things that I think are really important in video games, and it was my first time. Uh, the first is it had to create a player, um, a thing that I think Huge. all video games need you know what I mean like I think actually a lot of the arguments 
not I mean you know of course Mario doesn't need it but there there are any game where you're like doing any kind of RPG anything kind of needs a create a player and this is the first time I'd encountered that and uh, my brother and I would have a lot of fun making up stupid players for this baseball game um and the other thing that it has uh is that it essentially was the first time a sports game was also kind of like a role playing game like it it uh, saved stats and stuff uh, meaning that it wasn't just playing a, an exhibition baseball game, like you're compiling stats toward a season and stuff, as I remember it. And that is a different experience than sports games were up to that point. Up to that point, the fun is, let's play a football game that was sort of the video game version of going outside with your friends, right? This brought sports games and you know games in general into let's actually have the narrative of a whole season like, let's make this a, a larger time investment and, you know, uh, give you the sort of joy of being a sports fan as a as a gamer. And I think that is crucial to all sports games, but also is sort of crucial to all role-playing games, right? Like, whenever you uh, create a character, you're sort of telling the story of what happens to that character as you play it. Right, you're creating that story, and a lot of games take away the options and limit it down to you know uh, specific outcomes. You know, cough, cough, Mass Effect. But there are some games that are pretty wide open, and sports games as RPGs are pretty wide open, um, and that's the fun of them. And Baseball Stars was the first of that, so that's my number nine. And I think that probably ought to take us right into the break. What do you think, Swamy? That works. Uh, for the record, at that time. Of course, because I like twists. I was a mutant league and NFL Blitz guy. NFL Blitz was oh, yeah. was straight, like it was football, but it was highly yeah. gamified was like jam. arcade football. Yeah. yeah. It was advertised as NBA Jam for football. That's right. Uh and it was. It was a NBA Jam, by the way, great game. I was just a little old for it to to really thrill me. And for whatever reason, my family really loved baseball. Kind of still does. There's so. a friend of our family who's a programmer, and he's in the credits of NBA Jam, and that was so mind-blowing oh, to me as a kid to see his name go by. Oh, my God. Like, wow. Yeah, yeah totally. Credits Magic. were, in general, mind-blowing as a kid. Um, well, sit there and ruminate on uh, on the, the majesty of credits as a child while uh, we go and... Uh, have some advertisers splash these noises in front of your ears. See you soon. We're back. More one-ups. Woo! Shipheads, yeah. uh, which wow. we love to call you. If you're a Threedom fan, though, they call their fans piss pigs, so it could be worse. <laughs> uh, they're funny folks. That's yeah, real good. Over there at Threedom. That's real good. Anyway, enough advertising um, other podcasts I listen to. Is it my turn? It's not uh, because no. uh, per serpentine rules, I'm I rusty must do my on number the eight. Serpentine, it's weird. Yeah, that's okay. Go for it. So right. we're talking yeah. formative games, games that shaped our taste. And Adam Correct. is bringing his number eight. Is, no, number seven. I am number eight. Yeah. That was my number eight. This number eight. Uh, number eight um, <laughs> is the original Nintendo Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. Uh, here's why. It sucks. It's so not hard. a very good game. Not for good it's reasons. It's not a good game. Just hard. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really hard. And it was the first time as a kid and as a gamer that I realized a game could be punishing and mean. Uh, a thing that, like, some people realize that right away. I tend to have the quality of trying to trying to see the best 
in the in the designer and developer until they forced me not to. This game forced me not to. <laughs> so like it, it, I never finished it. Um, I actually picked it up and replayed it recently just to see like, man, was I just terrible? No. It's just not very good. It's not a very good game. It's really hard and punishing, and I hate it. And, uh, yeah, I, I I think that belongs on the list just for that reason. That's my eight. But you must, I now assume, and I just want to ask, you differentiate between that and, like, an Elden Ring where the design From choice is elegant and the difficulty is woven in in a yeah. skillful way. I mean, sometimes, sometimes Elden Ring is cheap, though. Like let's just okay. be clear. There so are times is, that FromSoft. So this was the beginning of your engagement with games where you're like, I, this game hates me. I've, I've this, this game's yeah, trying yeah, to fuck with yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, which you I still have a, a fascination little, with. That's right. I, I, yeah, and I have like a, an ego thing that's like I'm not gonna quit. Fuck you, uh, fuck you. Like exactly. <laughs> that's the competition. Like, I was thinking about the Batman game because the Batman game also had a couple levels like that, as I remember it. But Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was such a landmark for this game is hard and it sucks and I can't beat it. Um, yeah. Did you play so, Pit Fighter, by the way, speaking of beating marks? A little bit. Okay. A okay. little bit. Yeah. You'd I think stack it, that cash it wasn't on, the end. Mm. It wasn't on Nintendo, right? Wasn't it only on a Sega a, system? Yes, you'll notice. You'll notice themes in our, right? Totally right, makes sense. Uh, yeah. I owned a Sega and I didn't own both and you owned a Nintendo and you didn't own both. Obviously going to affect our choices. Can't Correct. not. Um, time for my number eight, if I'm not misreading the conversational That's right, tone. You're number okay. eight. Uh, this is my only entry in the RPG category, and I was just hit, trying Octopath Traveler two last, or, you know, over the last couple nights. And I gotta say, ah, oh, we're gonna get heat for this. I want to cover more sports games and RPGs, um, and I'm trying to be have an open heart about that. But the last few I played, Persona Five Royale, Octopath. Um, just like turn-based RPGs have also kind of lost their appeal to me. It feels shallow no matter how yep. complex the menu is to just click through a menu and watch an animation, no matter how spectacular the animation is. Um, it feels too machiney to me these days uh, for whatever reason, but there is this is an RPG, and I loved RPGs for many years, and this one captured my imagination and my heart so much. It felt like a weirdly vulnerable, tender vibe i wanted to play it alone all the time i was fascinated with the love story in it uh and it's called lunar eternal blue uh i think i've seen a little bit of this game it's the second the first yeah. one was lunar silver star and i loved okay. both but eternal blue was just where it was at uh fighting i mean ganon was i believe the name of the villain as well uh but also there's like a uh, Nala, maybe? No, Ruby? I don't know. You had a little flying uh, cat friend, and you oh. went on, like, uh, you know, floating. It was my first, oh, it was my first exposure to islands floating in the sky with castles on them. Just a lot of cool imagery. It was anime. Such a staple. And a lot yeah, of staple, staple anime imagery that introduced to me for the first time. My dad seeing it, seeing me playing it said, you guys should watch this movie, My Neighbor Totoro. So it led to that, which led to all the Miyazaki cool. films. So they're all kind of bundled yeah, yeah. up. Um, and it was the first epic length game where I was, where it felt, you know, it had an open world map. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize a game could be 30, 40 hours long. Yeah, it could be super long. So much bang long, for my right. buck. I was playing right. Yoshi's Story and beating it in 75 minutes and shit. Um, right. So yeah, Lunar Eternal Blue, my only classic RPG. 
That's cool. I by the way, on the on the RPG front, I feel like we can talk about covering the South Park games. Those are RPGs that are turn based. The first yes. That are good. High they're you know? good in a and this doesn't mean bad, but they're highly simplified by modern yeah, RPG they standards. Are. But yes. kept my interest the whole time because of the writing and everything. Yeah. And and they make the turn based stuff fun. Just complex you know, enough to actually yeah. to not be boring, boring, but yeah. So, you know, you're number seven, sir. Oh, fuck. God, I'm bad. I, at, I hate Serpentine. I I'm really bad at Like, it doesn't make sense <laughs> to my brain. My number seven is also technically an RPG, but I would, okay. co- but this is my, so I guess JRPG, ERPG, right? Um, not ARPG. And if you're not familiar by that, I mean... European style RPG, which is still turn based. Disco Elysium would be a recent, you know, installment. But uh, uh, ARPG is like Zelda or any modern inheritor of that, where you run around and you press a button to slash, but you still upgrade. Anyway, Fallout 2, probably expected for me. I dearly hope we cover it someday, and I'll say much more there. But, oh, when, yeah. Um, I believe that once Bethesda took it over, I, it's still good enough that I love. I play every Fallout game. Seventy six kind of sucked, but I play every other Fallout game, and um, I'm still invested in the aesthetic. It does feel like it's become. It it has stopped evolving, and uh, I'm like, I get it. I of uh, this aesthetic that's shaped my pop culture taste so much. I'm, I'm, that's still, I can get full of it. I wish it changed more. Bethesda seems too scared to leave the formula, whatever, whatever. But Fallout 2 was the one right before they switched to the modern version of Fallout. Um, isometric, third person, above camera view, turn based with action points. Uh, so, unlike JRPGs are known for the menu where you go, where you have MP. And you, you know, use X amount of mana to do blah, blah, blah. ERPGs are usually known for using action points. They're more like a a hex grid board game where, Mm. you know, you pay six action points, you take cover. The cover makes it 50% less likely that a bullet will hit you. These kinds of mechanics. But mainly, the reason I'm into it was, uh, this was like, maybe one of the most fascinating fictional worlds I'd encountered at that age ever. Uh... Retro future, what if the bombs fell and it was the post-apocalypse, but the ruins were all frozen in the cheerful vision of the future of the 1950s? Everyone knows the Fallout aesthetic, but it was a little more grounded and real here, a little more like a novel. Uh, That opening sequence, this was the first time I was exposed to Give me a kiss to build a dream on with war. War never changes. Yeah, like that shit's yeah. so epic to it a ten-year-old. Oh my god, that's yeah, great. Um, yeah. yeah, and I, and it invented all the tropes of Fallout and took them a little more seriously than the modern Fallout's, which I enjoy. Uh, we'll say I've more never played Fallout Two. Yeah, I gotta I gotta play Fallout Two. I've never played it. I hope uh, we cover it so. eventually. I do too. That would be a lot of fun. So, um, okay, uh, that leads to my number seven. Uh, one that I, I ha- if I had to bet on one game that should be on Mike Swain's list, also it would be this one. I don't know if it will be, but uh, the game is Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. I wish I'd played uh, it more than I did. Great yeah, game, but yeah, no, I didn't play it much. I didn't play it that much either. Mortal Kombat was uh forbidden in my home. Um, 
So I self forbid <laughs> like, it. I thought it was bad. I made that yeah, decision yeah. to be a moral yeah. boy. You felt the way my parents felt about it, uh, which is essentially that this is uh, grotesque and wrong. And uh, the first like, part is I not think, inaccurate. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it's uh, it's funny now. You play it now, and you're like, this is so dumb. Uh, and it definitely is. How do I say this? Like on a specific trajectory. And I think video game violence basically boils down into one of two trajectories. Either it's about violence for emotion's sake or it's about violence for the the, the gore joy's sake. And I would say uh, that's where Mortal Kombat is headed, as is Doom, as is a lot of games. But Mortal Kombat is basically that moment where uh, where I discovered video games that were... Uh, incredibly violent and gross and winking at you about it and uh, desperately wanted to play it. <laughs> like, I really wanted to play it. Everybody went bananas for it when it came out. Uh, we used to, like, I never really was an arcade guy, but I found myself at the arcade quite a bit when Mortal Kombat came out. I learned how to use Shang Tsung when Mortal Kombat 2 came out because I loved it so much that I was like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be all players. <laughs> I'm going to do this. And I would go to the stupid arcade and waste like, you know, tens of dollars in quarters playing Mortal Kombat because we couldn't buy it in my home or play it in my home. Uh, so I was willing to do a lot of extra work, a lot of extra chores around the house, uh, mortgage my, my, small child future just to play some Mortal Kombat. Uh, and Mortal Kombat was a huge moment uh, for a sweet, innocent, young uh, Christian lad like myself where uh, it was like, man, but evil's got some points. <laughs> evil's got some good points. Uh, so it belongs. Number seven. Didn't you? You you loved Mortal Kombat, didn't you? I, why am I the only one that loved MK11's it? MK11's on the drive because I pulled so yeah. hard for it. I think Mortal did, Kombat yeah. as a series is important. I think camp is important. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, like I wouldn't excise Arnold Schwarzenegger from the pop culture universe. Uh, right. And it's sort of the video game equivalent. So you see it way more in the more recent ones where the campaign is basically a three hour movie of them being like, we can bring the same energy as the moral combat movie that like goofy yeah, big what energy. <laughs> like the game can bring it too. They make a little movie that's we dumb can do as this. hell. And, yeah. uh, and I do remember learning to be how to Shang Tsung controls and how to turn. Of into course the it was the best. And it was a coveted, yeah. coveted thing to learn the inputs and memorize them like phone numbers. Like there were kids at school where you'd be like, um, how do you do the fatality where lizard takes his head off and vomits acid and they dissolve? And they're like up, down, down, left, a, B down. And like, yeah. you had to know it by road to do them. Some of them that were printed kid. on the arcade machine, but the kids who are serious about it would memorize a Rolodex of these things. Cause you wanted to see them. You wanted to see the babalities, the friendships. When you found out it was like, um, schoolyard jokes. It was like the yeah. developers were in on stuff. 11 year olds like, because they're those immature. dorks, yeah. Because those you'd be dorks like, that could memorize that were briefly cool, yeah. Because they knew those like, combinations. Uh, you, yeah. if, if you'd only ever seen fatalities, and they're like, if you do it this way, they hug. You're like, that's so dumb. Like, what? That's oh crazy. My God. I didn't know it did yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah All right. exactly. They so, knew where they were. <clears throat> so no, I'm sorry, sir. I believe oh. I still have one more to oh, go uh, for my sixth. Every single time, I'm gonna fuck it up. Fair one. And I think it's gonna be great every time. Um, okay, so number six. Um, these games, I think I'm going to, I'm actually going to name two because they're a stand in for Mario 64. 
uh, Mario 64 is the actual game that I felt this way. But I'm going to use as a stand-in for them because I bought these at around the same time. Uh, Wave Race 64 and Pilot Wings 64. Uh, I almost because put Wave. Isn't it Wave Runner? Wave Race? I almost wave put race. that on here. Yes. It's Wave Race. So, uh, and I believe it was called Wave Race 64, but I might be wrong. So these are two games that were basically launched around, around the same time as the Nintendo 64 to show off what the Nintendo 64 was capable of. Looking back on basically all the Nintendo 64 titles that don't have Zelda or Mario in the title, they're all a little janky. Um, and they're all definitely like they're new. Like they have great moments. They have great ideas. Some of them, uh, but they're definitely the first of the 3D uh, games. And they look like them and they play like them. Uh, Wave Race and Pilot Wings, though, to my young mind, uh, seemed like my God, reality is here. <laughs> how I felt when I played these games and it's a thing that video games are constantly trying to create in in kids is that feeling like oh my god it looks so real that's a huge video game thing and uh it was never more potent for gamers at least my age and around my age than when we leapt into third into the third dimension and had games like Mario 64 and Wave Race and Pilot Wings um, it really felt like, my God, we can do anything. Everything is possible. Um, Wave Race is actually extremely difficult to play, as is Pilot Wings. But they both delivered things that we really wanted, uh, but didn't realize we wanted. The freedom to uh, go any direction. That's what Pilot Wings is offering. And it's really good at that. And Wave Race, it looked it looked like real water. I remember saying that to my brother. It looks like real water. It doesn't. Water's uh, still a benchmark felt. thing, though. We, we yeah. talk so much about That's right. how's the new water. <laughs> it, yeah, and Wave Race was that thing for a little while. Also, I grew up around jet skis because my, my dad loved that, and my grandfather used to <gasps> race boats. My rich uncle gave us access to jet ski technology yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So Wave Race was a little bit also like a thing our family connected to. Uh, and not those jet skis and that, which are much more dangerous, more like sea doos but it was fun. Um, so this represents the, my God, it looks so real moment in video games for me. Those are my number six. Uh, now, sir, it's your six. Yeah. I also, you know, we call it the, I, I love that more and more people don't even know this reference, but I call it the Beatles exclusion. There was a time where you'd go, who's your favorite band? But don't say the Beatles because that's stupid. Or like everyone right, knows they're exactly. objectively very good or whatever. Um, so mine for that are Mario 64. It captured me as well. It's an Ur game, of course. We've done a yeah, whole episode of course. about it. Um, and uh, Final Fantasy VII. I think a lot of people share the experience. Okay. When I saw the cutscene of that swooping shot going into Midgard and Aerith with the flowers, I was like, um, we've done it. CG has reached its it theoretical maximum real. where it's photorealistic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it really looked photorealistic to me is my memory. Yeah. So yeah. weird. Anyway, yeah. my number, <laughs> daddy, please help me. Seven. Six. Your number six. six. Fuck. My number six. Um, we've entered point and click territory. So all I want to say as pertains to my taste is I think you're going to see for the rest of the list my involvement with story and my captivation by story, of course, even to the neglect of gameplay. Not that the gameplay is bad, but is less important than the story or is in service of the story. Adam's right on meta stuff is going to start intriguing me more and more. And we've entered an, like a point and click thing. 
And it's amazing to me that point and click seems to be coming back in a real way, including a 3D point and click. So like there's traditional point and click, which is usually like a matte painting, essentially, with characters walking around. And those are coming back too. Kentucky Route Zero, Disco Elysium, blah, blah. Um, of course, LucasArts, it's sort of like Spielberg had that period where he fucked with animation. George Lucas had this period where he pumped out a bunch of video games that people who love them love, and then they stopped. And people sort of stopped making that kind of game for 20 years. And now they're back, including um, 3D ones, by which I mean things like Road 96, where you walk around and pick up stuff. It's basically anything where, you know, you're just interacting. Like Telltale would also yep. do this. You walk around, you pick up stuff, you plug it into other stuff, you talk to people, blah, blah, blah. Um, I love that shit, and we're going to get three in a row now. The first one okay, is great. also FMV, uh, captured and put into fake environments a la Mortal Kombat. That was a big trend at the time. Once Mortal Kombat sort of proved you could do it, Pit Fighter is also that. Wrath of the Gods. Now, for me... Yep. This one stands in. You've, you've, you're aware of this? I thought it I'm was. I'm aware of it. Okay. Yep. This one stands in for me for all educational games. Uh, it was a big deal that my elementary school had a computer and that they let us play games. And a lot of those games were formative for me. I remember The Incredible Machine. I remember Number Muncher. I remember like... Oregon Trail. Um, you know, Mario teaches that. typing, Oregon Trail, of course. Making my own games using hypercard stacks. I did was that too. So formative to me. Um, kid picks, uh, you know, like my heart is swelling with, you know, a child gel. Uh, uh, Cosmic Osmo, all this shit. So Wrath of the Gods stands in for those, but also it was a fully accomplished um, point and click that walked you through Greek myths. With real actors playing the characters. So like Zeus was a goofy, low-rent guy in a fake beard. And it was both hilarious, but also genuinely educational. In the sense that learning myths is educational, if you think it is. And oh my god. When you got... Because of course there's a sign-up sheet. And you had to earn merits to do it and shit. It's elementary school. But when you had your five stars or whatever. And you traded it in for an hour of me and my buddy Griffin sitting there and playing Wrath of the Gods. That was like... More fun than recess. Like, I didn't have a computer at home. Getting to play a video game for an hour was everything. <laughs> that's right. So that stands in right. for that experience. And now I'm going to my number five. Five. Four, three. Yes, yeah, sir. five. Another point and click, no big surprise. When I got a little bit older and I had my own console, it was a Sega CD, I fell in love with and played over and over. The Adventures of Willie Beamish which we will never cover because I played it on emulator and what a bad game. The point and click <laughs> logic is weak and simple. The dialogue and blah, 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 blah. But here's the thing. It was fully cell animated and I, and it had the feeling of a Saturday morning cartoon that you could point and click like play. And it started my love of unusual art styles and realizing that the medium of video game did not was not synonymous with polygons and textures shaped like a thing. I did not know it could be a cartoon cartoon. And um, it's your basic Saturday morning cartoon. It's basically a ripoff of, of The Wiz. Willie Beamish is a savant at this Tetris game. It also introduced me to mini games. So for one, the load screen was so long that if you held down the start button, you could play a mini game while you waited for the next sequence to load. That blew my mind. Also, Willie could go into his room and click play video game, and you could play this Tetris game that he was an adept at, and it was the whiz, if you've heard of that. He, you had to sneak out and earn the money 
to get to a video game tournament and win the day. And I think you end up saving the town from an evil developer and your friend is like a frog in a jar. But my point is I'm done talking about Willie Beamish. That was it. Oh no. Well, (laughs) there's a good anecdote, which is that, uh, I, I may have told it before, but people jump in and out. I called a 900 number to get an answer that I was stuck on, like what to do with the frog at this certain juncture. And it was literally a 900 num- pay number that you call, and it goes, Incredible. Um, are you at Willie's house? Press one. Are you outside in the yard? Press two. And you, I had to wait till because it was like hours through the game, right? And it's charging you by the minute. So I went through, 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 through. Oh, and, and finally it's skip. like, no. And it's like, oh. if you need to know about the frog at the very end, press 91. And it did it. And I didn't understand what I was doing, but a phone bill came for like $300. And my parents wow. were furious. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That sucks. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. They, they should have just bought you a guide for that. That's true. Um, oh, well. Okay. Well. That leads to, I believe, number five for me. Does it, or or is it break time? No, it's not. We should break before three. I want to <clears throat> say you, yeah. you know your shit, man. Okay, I, you know, I'm. I try to. I try to stay on top of it. Um, number five for the old bear uh, is a game that we're 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 almost we've almost covered about eight times, but never quite covered it. And that is Tie Fighter. Also a LucasArts game, um, TIE Fighter, which was a space flight simulator. Um, it is the only PC game I played that wasn't, except that and StarCraft, are the only PC games I played before I legitimately bought a PC last year. So, like, it's one of the only ones. Um, I saw it at a friend's house, and I was like, I have to play that, because I was a huge Star Wars fan as a kid. And uh, I purchased a joystick for it. And all the expansions for it. And uh, it's still one of my favorite games, even though it is very clunky now. Um, and uh, all it is, friends, is, you know, going on missions as a TIE fighter. Uh, you know, TIE fighters are ships without shields. You get blasted to pieces pretty quickly. Um, and, you know, it's a lot of managing keyboards and uh, sitting around waiting for objectives to be accomplished and stuff. And it just it just tickled right in that sort of imaginary place that uh, Star Wars evoked before it was too corporate and lame. Where it was like, man, this is what it would be like to be in Star Wars. Um, it's my favorite of the. It's my favorite movie adaptation game. I think, um, meaning like a game that came from the movies. It's my favorite one. Um, I've never gotten into a different flight simulator, but I completely understand the appeal of it. You really do feel like at home, uh, and you feel more emotionally invested in uh, just like the every, the mechanical piece of flying uh, in video games than you ever could any other way other than actually doing it. Um, so, you know, video games are really good at uh, allowing mechanical things to feel, uh, meaningful and fun if they're properly balanced and deployed. And TIE Fighter was fixing some of those problems from X-Wing and it was fantastic. Um, it's a little bit easier to play now that I'm older because I'm used to using joysticks more and I wasn't then. So it was a lot more unwieldy then. Um, but I just loved it. Uh, I just loved it. I wish there were more games like it that uh, were as impactful for me, but I have not carried on with this series. That's my number five. Also, you got to be Dark Side, of course, which has some cool factors. There's something cool about it. Yeah, we only haven't covered it. Well, we will because I bought it. Just now, time because yeah, yeah. 
talk about an unsupported genre for the most part. I know Flight Sim. Pretty much. Microsoft Flight Sim exists and actually got like Game of the Year or some shit. But, um, but uh, it's been so difficult for me to get the stick to work with my computer, to work with the emulator, to work with the software, to unlock the game in the way that we want to cover it. Um, but we'll get there. Uh, yeah. And I guess... Also, just I, a, oh, a lot just, of... Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say a lot of love out there to the people who love this game so much that they have continued to update its visuals right. so that you can play it in a pretty modern-looking way. Like, it looks pretty up-to-date now. Um you know, which is amazing because that's just a thing that fans are doing for it. And, you know, God bless those people. Sorry, what were you saying? Oh, the Star Wars one for me was the one in the arcade that had the stick where you would shoot, shoot, shoot. And then yeah. you would um, uh, lightsaber fight Vader. Remember that? I the, do. It was my first it was game. Great. I paid a dollar for instead of 50 cents. Yeah. Wasn't it like huge? It was like a huge it cabin. It was a giant too, right? cabinet, which is yeah, normal cabinet. now, but it was one of the first really big ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. That one was cool. One, two, yeah, three. I my, I believe I have one number. more, sir. Oh, God. It's I know. I thought I'm I had so it sorry. unlocked this time. It's okay. Uh, it's okay. But it, I believe I have number four now, sir. And then it'll be your number four. Uh, okay, number four. I don't. Uh, yeah, number four. Um, this one is going to be very obvious the minute that I name it, and uh, it is Bioshock. Um, Bioshock is, I think, the first time that I played a video game that had a, a really profound, enriching story that didn't just feel like a fantasy story or like a story about magic or even like an epic tale, but had a really profound, satirical, intelligent story that met me where I was. Um, I love Bioshock. I think it's one of the greatest games ever made. And uh, if you want to hear more about us talking about that game, uh, we've done a full episode on it, so I won't do another mini episode here. But Bioshock is my number four. Is by uh, by what what year did Bioshock come out? The first two thousand seven. It feels a little modern for the list, but that's not a requirement of the list. That's just not the way I, I went. You know, I also didn't really play a lot of story games until I was a younger mm. adult. So something's got to represent that, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I yeah. to me, Bioshock was probably the last time that I played a game that blew my mind about what a story could be. Not the best story I've ever played. But also just I, I just didn't know what I was getting into when I started that game. Everyone was just like, yeah, you should play it. It's cool. That's all but I knew also, about it. Moments where your tastes evolve as an adult are totally yeah. valid and even more to be sought after. Because oftentimes once you're out of childhood, it's hard to change your taste. So, yeah, good pick. My number four. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So this is a game that's a perfect storm of swaim elements in a way probably no game has been since. And I don't, I'm just like grateful to God that it existed. It's, it's, <laughs> I can't believe it existed in a way. Uh, it's so hard to find. It features the voices of Jim Belushi, Christopher Reeve, Tress McNeil, Steven Tyler and Joe Perry of Aerosmith and Oh, Cher. wow. Wow. It was produced by Robert De Niro. <laughs> and it is a point-and-click adventure, and it is based entirely on the art of Mark Ryden, who is one of my favorite artists of all time. I'm a big surrealist 
art fan. Mark Ryden, if you just search his name, R-Y-D-E-N, does surrealism that if you're into surrealism, you go, oh, that guy, yeah, 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 a very distinctive style and captivating, bizarre. So a big thing about my dad was is he is a pop culture fiend and liked weird stuff, which is how I became that way as well. So poking around in his bookshelf, we would even too young arguably find weird shit like H.R. Giger art of highly Mm. sexualized skeletons Mm. and stuff. And of course, captured my imagination, right? This weird, dark stuff that I did is so interesting. And uh, I became fixated with surrealism and darkness for the rest of my life. I still am. Um, You know, Cronenberg and Lynch and anything that creeps me out in that disturbing way. And Mark Ryden does that. And uh, the game is called Nine, The Last Resort. Sounds awesome. uh, It's really awesome. Okay. Hard to find, hard to play. I suggest at least watching a playthrough because it's a basic point and click adventure, but just with the weirdest elements you could encounter. And uh, Cher is the narrator and she's incredible. And it's uh, the first game I ever played where the PC box came. And inside there was literally like a deed, like a will, like your uncle had died. And here's the physical will to the last resort, which you're inheriting. And you had to decode the will to get the copyright code in order to play the game. So you had to solve a puzzle to play the game or you were barred from playing the game. And that was also very meta and interesting to me. Sounds amazing. Just the number nine. Yeah. I, I um, these these are the kind of games I wish I had played when I was younger. Uh, like I didn't have access to the macabre and the the dark fantasy stuff as a kid because my conservative upbringing. So I kind of missed out on that. Like I'm not as intrigued by that as you are. I'm intrigued I, by stuff that makes me feel weird and gross, like Stinky Cheese Man and other tales. Yeah. And like yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Kids stuff that feels more adult than it should, but just because of the texture, not because they're saying anything bad. It just feels gross. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, do you count uh, Ren and do you count Ren and Stimpy the, uh, the game, as the... a kid? I did. I've grown okay. out of liking it. Also, John K is a right, creep, right, right. But right, yeah. But not just that. I'm like, it's like a rote kind of gross. But at the time, I was obsessed with the close up shots of the gross, the horse. Yeah, that they like, love that shit. The nipples yeah. and shit. Where you're like. As a kid, you're like, well, there's nothing wrong with nipples. People have nipples. You're allowed to reference <laughs> nipples. It just makes adults uncomfortable. That's what's great about it. It felt like you were getting away with something when you're watching that show. For yes. Sure. And that carries through in my I'm the indie guy here and I'm obsessed yeah. with um, Shiny, the company that did like Sacrifice, Messiah, right. all these weird games. And I'm obsessed with their modern day equivalent, Devolver Digital and just weird indie games. Uh, I bring that energy. Speaking of. Actually, number three. I don't think this was too handy, but my number three is a game that's appeared on a previous list. I mentioned the companion from this game as one of the most moving companions to me. I cried when he passed, even though he like passes in glory and they fade to his tomb being honored by his descendants. I still mm. cried. I've mentioned Griffin Rowell because he was my best friend all through childhood and he was definitely there and he teared up too, no matter what he says. Um, <laughs> it's a duo of games my uh oh we've moved into platformer territory which the rest of my oh and so i just want to say a piece about that which is platformer like point and click is i just like game it's to me it's the setup for the modern just adventure game like Mm. i don't mean the heaviness of the plot of the last of us mm, but i mean like 
you know, you walk around an environment, you interact with stuff and the story unfolds, which is a huge bucket that lots of games with various deviations fall into. And to me, back in the day before you could simulate Assassin's Creed, before you could simulate walking around a world and talking to a thousand people other than JRPGs, which is why I love them more at the time, because they were the richest, biggest, fullest world you had. Um, the dominant staple of how you interpreted just a straightforward story was platformer. Would you agree with that? Like they yeah, sit down absolutely. to do a Star Wars knockoff yeah. or an X-Men or an Avengers and they're like, it'll be like a platformer maybe with variations like they punch and kick okay now it's a beat-em-up they right. shoot guns okay now it's a shooter but you're walking left to right on platforms doing stuff so all the rest of minor platformers and to me they represent that bucket of just general games that appeal to me blah 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 it's another world sometimes called out of this world and uh it's follow-up heart of the alien again extremely okay. unique look mm vibe that is weirdly sad and melancholy all the elements that mike likes um it would be higher except it's fucking so difficult frustratingly difficult and clunky to control but the story is told without any dialogue and is deeply moving it reminds me no of nothing so much as inside uh wow and for being such an early game i played it again on the sega cd uh, to give me inside vibes is huge. To make me love a companion without dialogue and then have them die and I cry, huge. Uh, yeah, accomplished a lot. And the look, I, I, I just recommend Googling it. Same company also did a game called Flashback. It was almost the primitive version of cell shading, but I kind of like it more than cell shading. I wish games still looked like that. I've never seen this game, so I'm, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look into it. Yeah. Um, it sounds awesome. All right, number three. Uh, three left. Three uh, big radishes. I gotta be careful. Okay, number three is uh, a game we've never covered, but I think we should someday. Uh, a game that is still being emulated in different ways, uh, most recently even in Callisto Protocol, and that game is uh, Punch-Out, or as I often call it, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, because that's what it was when I had it. Uh, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out is a boxing game, for those of you who've never played it. Uh, the character you play, Little Mac, is in Smash Brothers. Uh, but essentially, you're just like a regular boxer uh, working your way through an extremely racist series of circuits uh, where you're boxing a boxer and you move on to get to the championship round. And at the end of the game, you fight a person who becomes Mr. Dream. That's the name that they settled on. But he was clearly Mike Tyson. <laughs> That's who he's supposed mm -hmm. to be. And then Mike Tyson got in some legal trouble. Uh, and so they tried to distance themselves from him. They are not the only game to have done that, by the way. Street Fighter 2 also did that. Uh, Distance themselves from Mike Tyson? Yeah, the character Balrog was supposed to be oh. M. Bison. Oh. Uh, yeah, they switched the names and stuff. Like, like mm. Mike Tyson was a huge figure in pop culture. Right. Uh, anyway, and if you ever want to see why, go watch some of his knockout videos. They'll blow your mind. But anyway, so <laughs> the, fun of, the fun of boxing against Mike Tyson aside, the cool thing about this game, and the reason it's still replayable, although it is heinously racist, I, like I, no excusing it, it's awful for that, but uh, basically every fight is a puzzle. And it's one of the first games that I played that really did that. It's not about 
um, button mashing or even skill. Like it's not a skill based game, like say a Madden or something or calling the right plays. It's about uh, basically figuring out what is the order of buttons required uh, in order to knock this guy down. Right. And uh, so many games ultimately boil down to this kind of very simple puzzle where it's like, what, you know, what are the thing, what inputs do I have to do in order to get past this uh, guardian or whatnot? Right. Um, a lot of games have sort of settled into it's just combat and it's a combat loop and you master that loop. That's not what punch out does. Punch out every single fight is uh, a little tiny mystery. Um, it's also a little bit funny and, and funny in a way that my sensibility appreciated. Um, and, uh, it was hard enough that it challenged you as a kid, but not so hard that you needed to go buy a strategy guide for it. Like it was actually fun figuring out what is the thing I need to do to, you know, soda pop or whatever. <laughs> uh, so I just, it was an early game that established what video games generally do, which is create fun little puzzles and challenge me at exactly the level I wanted to be challenged as a kid, uh, to feel rewarding when I succeeded. So that's it. They call it Punch Out now. Uh, if you haven't played it, I guess I guess I recommend it for the fun factor. But please bear, bear in mind it is incredibly racist and stereotypical. Have you played this one, Mike? Yes, Adam. So you're saying what formed your taste is a <laughs> simulator right, where go. you punch <laughs> ethnic stereotypes we go. in the face in sequence. They just Thank line you. them up for you. Yeah. Um, yes, I played it. I totally get. I get what your reasoning. Yeah. I hate this game. I, oh. I even as a kid, I'm like, so not fun to play. And then someone tells you, oh, it's because for this guy, you do this for this guy, you do this. I'm like, well, then it's nothing. It's a key and a lock. And I did it and I beat it immediately. I'm like, oh, OK, wait. So it's just there's one thing you do and that's all it is. This is not a game. It's like a puzzle box. And that's all it is. I right. Don't know. That's all most games As a are. kid, I hated it. Wow. Yeah. That's weird because you love. Well, there's puzzles. no story, and I find boxing no repugnant. <laughs> okay, I all right, I, I understand that. So, like, what you're simulated, the action you're simulating is also not fun for you. Uh, okay, that makes sense to me. I mean, as a kid, I of course wasn't uh, wasn't keyed in on what it was what it was saying, uh, so it didn't trouble me as much. We didn't really watch boxing in my house, but I, I guess Mike Tyson was such a big figure that uh, it's my more dad, that it was. An- Punching seems angry. I, I feared confrontation to a neurotic degree as a kid. So the fact that punching was inherently an act of anger or violence, just like I, it was, uh, would be something I wouldn't like. Like I said, like my dad played an offspring CD in the house and I started sobbing and ran out of the house and accused him of like <laughs> violating like, your propriety. I was like, we don't listen to punk. Yeah. That's like, you know what, dad, you got to keep me separated from this. I was a weird kid. Um, we were watching the piano at my uncle's house. And when Harvey Keitel's dick is shown, I started sobbing. It was like, you're wow. ruining our childhoods. Wow. Uh, and, yet you're, our, and yet you're looking Harvey at, Keitel's at Giger, you're going to Giger paintings, but that's stuff. secretly, see, that's the paradox of that, right? That's but that I would sneak out at night and seek out. Cause my dad told me, don't look at that. Yeah. <laughs> that's so I guess, I guess what I'll say is. Again, no excusing the racism, but the violence of this game is very cartoonish. It's like, it's fun. 
Don't um, worry, dude. I got you covered. Okay, Wait great. to hear my number one. So. Oh, I'm so excited. Well, let me hit my <laughs> let me hit my number Song two. Song of the South. Oh, <laughs> I fucked up again. That's crazy. Uh, how many times I'm genuinely not I, understanding. I just think it's because you're so excited one. to go. Sure. Uh, number two. Uh, this is this is a stand-in for basically any game that's about playing with your friends. Uh, but I think no game has ever been more fun for me to play with my friends than Super Smash Brothers Melee. Uh, Melee was a game that uh, a friend of mine had in college, and uh, we would all pile into his dorm room and play it. I had it, and my brother and I used to play it endlessly. Uh, also, it has kind of it's the first like nostalgic thing I ever got into because Smash Brothers has always been about peddling nostalgia and uh, fighting games are generally fun but I think diffusing the 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 ferociousness of actually beating up your friend by it being sort of cartoonified and gamified this way makes it less like you get less angry when you lose you know like it, it's a little like and there's so much like random chaos that it kind of diffuses the frustration that fighting games can create and uh, Smash Brothers is a thing to this day. If I get four friends together and somebody's like, let's play Smash Brothers, I'm in. Uh, I just think it's pure, distilled, perfect game design. Um, I think Smash Brothers Ultimate is one of the best games ever made uh, in, in that it is a distilled version of Smash Brothers, one of the best games ever made. Uh, also, clearly, I love violence and competing with my friends. So Smash Brothers is a, a perfect acceptable version of that for me that's my number two yeah so two goldeneye and melee are the two like that took up three four five years of yeah. play yep uh with friends and they were the epitome like those were the things i played with my friends that basically covers the whole of my multiplayer childhood goldeneye for a bunch of years and then we got into melee and that lasted through college mario kart um, 2 my right dorm my dorm was robbed once. The only N64 cartridge they stole out of dozens was Smash Brothers Melee. Of course. Everyone at college in our generation was playing that in the dorm. Like, everyone. There were Melee tournaments held weekly, you know, uh, at every campus at, on college. So, uh, yeah, huge. I didn't include those because of the er thing we talked about, but also because I don't find that it actually informed my taste. I always have felt it started as a corporatized cash grab Yep. Um, which is not bad because it's still brilliant gameplay, but it's not like there's a bunch of like I don't play any other melee type games or even say, oh, that game moved me. You know what I mean? And ditto well, Goldeneye. So they didn't shape my taste as much as their very fun games. Here's where I would. Here's here's the thing about it that I think is taste forming. The first is I think that it's a perfect distillation of the emotions of fighting games and just competition in general without creating frustration. Like they've eliminated frustration as much as you can. Oh, except for edge guarding. Well, that's a, a shitty, uh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, uh, but also I, there's people like, I think we've all sort of created a little bit of a rule about that. Right. Or the donkey Kong suicide. But like, I fun. think the feeling of the sudden explosion that causes you to soar off the stage yeah, is, yeah, yeah, is yeah. amazing. It's amazing. And oh, it's dude, like, when you get someone with the home run bat, yeah. you would always stand up and it's go, so oh. good. <laughs> right. And like, that's, that is a fundamental experience in entertainment. Yeah. Like the creation of blasting off again. Yeah. Like I have a friend who uh, was an editor 
and works. So I guess there's no way to make this not sound douchey. So I have a friend who edited Creed two, so or Creed one, excuse me. So he uh, he was telling me about the experience that they had when Creed was being tested, and uh, when the music hits uh, at the very end, like after. Uh, all the sort of emotional stuff has happened and like we're in the final fight and there's this the moment that the actual Rocky soundtrack hits and he said and this before I'd watched the movie he said when that music hit in the test theater people stood up and cheered and I thought yeah he sounds like you're bragging and then I saw the movie and I completely understood what he meant that is the goal in entertainment like that's the goal, and you and I work in entertainment. And There's I th- like three or four different ones you can go for, but that's one. That's one of the goals, one, yeah. right? That's one yeah. of the goals. And Smash Brothers is so good at delivering it. It's yeah. so Stand good at delivering moments. it. Yeah, I and, mean, if you doubt that, look at that. The memetic Mega Man. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Smash Brothers. It's so video. good. It, like Smash yeah. Brothers delivers entertainment in this such a raw exhilarating way and i i'm constantly trying to figure out what would it take to deliver that in a film totally speaks to your taste yeah you you like immediate the immediacy of entertainment i do like the cerebral nature of thinking about it for a long time afterwards i like that we we both over but more yeah 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 I was yeah. saying, we both overlap, but yeah, I'm generalizing. Yeah. My That's number okay. two. You're number two. A uh, game I mentioned many times. This was my Mario. I'm playing through it again right now, and I'm loving it. Um, I just really like Kid Chameleon, man. You love that uh, game so much. It's so great. Wow. It has over 100 levels. There's so many different ways to navigate the levels that I'm still discovering new secret hidden levels in between levels that I've never played. It's like every level had secrets baked in and like Mario, it is a random cavalcade of nonsense. Like you get different masks and they make you like Jason who throws axes or right. now you're a pink tornado man. Right now you're a guy with a vacuum cleaner. None of it is anything cohesive. Your enemies are random nonsense, like giant heads on skewers that spit fireballs at you. Um, but I loved the, the what whoever made it was just a fucking weirdo the nonsense is really weird and cool to me the game is fun super challenging but not indomitable um the cover art of kid chameleon and this is how you know i'm on a nostalgia trip but is i can i look at it for hours i love the box art for kid chameleon and i legitimately play the soundtrack like it's an album it's in heavy rotation the soundtrack fucking rips i rap to it it's incredible um so in those ways i think it stands up to mario like mario also has that incredible sound of the blah 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 i don't think sonic is sega's mario i think kid chameleon was and i actually think it's a pretty or could have been yeah counter to mario that didn't go where it needed to go but mm. kid chameleon rules yeah that that fundamental loop is a thing that mario was doing but taken much further and more creatively you pick up power-ups and they yeah. give you different powers if yeah. you get hit you lose them yeah. yeah mario 3 is the game where they really went for that like they went for it on that front uh but i feel like kid chameleon felt less bound to uh I guess reality is a word that doesn't make any sense to apply here, but it's less grounded, right? Like, would you agree with that? It's a less grounded take. Than Mario? Yeah. I would say both are equally nonsensical. Okay. Because they just have a simple framing device, save the princess from in Mushroom Kingdom, and versus you got sucked into a video game, so now you're whatever can happen. Um, and then it's a bunch of random, right? Like, you get a feather... 
you pick up a feather and it makes you a raccoon who can fly right, by wagging stupid. his tail. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. None of the stuff is cohesive. That's all I'm saying. All right. So, uh, number one, right? I won't caveat it. Okay. I guess by nature it's a caveat. Never mind. And saying I won't caveat it as a caveat, so it's already been done. Ooh, self-refuted. So since the seal is broken, yeah. I'll just reiterate that this one totally counterbalances the shit I gave you for Punch-Out. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I'll say the game first. Okay. And then we'll get into it. My number one choice shaped my taste more than any other game. Felt like a swam game, arguably even more than Nine the Last Resort in terms of like couldn't exist. It was made just for can't believe it was made just for me is Skull Monkeys, which is also a platformer technically. Okay, sure. Skull Monkeys is a pretty obscure PlayStation one game. It is Claymation, which is only a couple games are that there was Clay Fighter, which if you play that, it's ass. The claymation has no love. It's not great. They transition between moves in a minimum number of frames. The hitboxes are sloppy. Yeah. It was just a novelty gimmick type game. Skull Monkeys is proof of concept of how a claymation game could actually be tight enough to play and like, uh, you know, like a real game. It was a claymation platformer that felt real. Uh, and furthermore, it's the exact kind of weirdness it looks exactly like the art style I draw in. It's kind of reminiscent of Jim Mahfood, one of my favorite, Samuel Heaty, my favorite artists. And um, it's weird in the exact kind of uncomfortable, grimy, mm, a little a little gentler than Ren and Stimpy, but for shorthand we'll say like the Ren and Stimpy effect we were talking okay. about, All right. which endlessly fascinates me. Um, and the reason I say the political stuff is, uh, so it was made by Doug Tenaple. Uh There's a couple other games in that vein, Armacrog, Neverhood, which were point-and-click adventures, but I found them just not too dry to get into, just exercises in pretty claymation, which is still good. But Skull Monkeys was funny. It had a soundtrack that included lyrics that were parody songs that were funny. It had all kinds of meta jokes. It had you, like, finding pot leaves and getting high and, like, all this weird shit. Uh, eating beans by stuffing them into your eye sockets. All just bizarre <laughs> off the wall kid humor that is like too adult and yeah. weird. Looks so stylish, blah, blah, blah. And I bring this up only because I love Doug Tenaples. Doug Tenaples, probably the most formative uh, artist for me through this whole period. Because yeah. for the longest time, I wanted to be a comic book artist. Doug Tenaples, the creator of Earthworm Jim. Um, But he also released a graphic novel, a different graphic novel every year or two at this time. Um, And they were everything to me. Like I grew up going to Comic-Con every year and every year I would say hi to him and he would start. He knew me eventually. We would hug and shit. And all my Doug Tenables are signed. Anyway, lo and behold, Twitter comes along and I'm like, oh, Doug Tenable. And I follow him on Twitter. And it turns out... uh, God, I, I, I wouldn't call anyone a piece of shit. Everyone's human and has inherent worth, but he spews the kind of ignorant meanness that makes me sad, that makes me like breaks my heart. Mm. And it's astounding because his books scrupulously, he must know that it would ruin him, right? Um, his, you would never know that from his work. He's a and Breitbart. For many years. He's a Breitbart contributor too. Um, so like, I don't know where I land on separating the art from the artwork, but... I, if we're talking honestly about what was formative, Doug Tenaple is like my art spirit animal and Earthworm Jim was the coolest, most iconic 
thing to me ever above sonic above mario and even above that was how weird and cool skull monkeys was because i'm also a huge fan of stop motion and claymation and i just think he's creative beyond belief despite being like just one of the worst meanest people whose public persona i read yeah Um, he's got an incredible list of things he believes we've we've dm'd about it at length yeah yeah he talked about how he, me, him and Gary Sinise were sitting around discussing how being white and Christian is actually stealthily the most underprivileged, uh, like opposed class in society. Well, and he yeah, should course, be really right. famous. He should be way more famous based on how creative he is, but he can't catch a break because he's a white Christian in modern society. And I'm like, but you're the executive producer of a TV show. Currently you created earthworm Jim and you're friends with Gary fucking Sinise. And he was complaining about that. He's Gary Sinise. You're both. What the fuck are you talking about? Anyway, I got into a big fight with him over DM, but I love his. Wow. So much. Wow. What a, what a painful. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Painful that's pick. a, that's a sad story. Uh, it's true though. It's incredible. Look at. Skull oh Monkeys. no, I, I played Earthworm Jim. Uh, in fact, my grandma bought me the first Earthworm Jim video game. I played it the the shit out of it. Uh, I know this guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, gear. I know this guy's work, dude. His comic Gear is a work of artistic genius. Yeah, in my wow. Opinion. Yeah, from t- 1998. I'm yeah. I'm just looking at all the stuff. Uh, I mean. <sighs> I can't. I'm not gonna bother saying anything about him other than it's a whole that's a episode, disappointment, my friend. Yeah, that's a disappointment. Um, but it is really There's interesting. There's a whole Hogwarts episode hidden in there, right? Of, <laughs> right, of course, yeah. the, the the episode that shall never be. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you and I have the discussions about art and artists all the time, and uh, well, we're monsters, but we would like to think that people <laughs> will enjoy our shit, right. you know. Well, you say that and haha, of course, but like everybody, uh, we all, we have to live with some amount of human fallibility for everybody. I just think he's way, way, way past the line for that. You know what I mean? Like, uh, if that makes any sense, like, I just don't think he, what's interesting to me about it is that you have such a personal relationship with him, which most of us never get with the artists that disappoint us. Yeah. And like that, that he felt in some way obligated to continue a conversation with you is also interesting oh dude sorry i gotta mention the no sure sure. i got him it was so good the end of creature tech one of my favorite books of his is uh a guy coming to faith coming to christianity right but he says he looks around and he says um the world is no different the evidence hasn't changed i've changed and that's the last panel is him saying i've changed and like looking at a little gecko on his hand and uh he Doug Tenaple posted a tweet about like, um, oh, you think your gender w- is whatever, and it's and it is innate to oh, you. No. Well, my hatred of that was put here by God, and it will never change. I that's how it is, and it's always a sin, and that won't change. And I just posted that panel, and was like, it's like you don't read your own comics. And I posted, you know, the evidence is the same, but I've changed. And he wrote me like, bah, 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 bah. you know, we got into a oh, big argument. Really? Did he know DM who you were point. when you? And I said it? who I was, and he's like, oh yeah, I remember you. I I'm sad to hear this. Uh, I'm sad that he's misrepresented Christianity this way. That makes me sad. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I'm, Iron West. Anyway, he's done a lot of good. I'm comics. also Black sad. Cherry. Yeah, I'm sad for anybody who is disappointed 
by the person behind their work. Uh, I, I don't know. That just makes me sad because, you know, it's a, it's a, a seemingly endless problem for all of us, I guess. Well, I'm going to move on to uh, my number one if I can, sir. Uh, just so this mm-hmm. episode's not two hours. <laughs> so, well, you're not going to like what I'm going to do at the end, but go ahead. Oh, God. Well, that's okay. I don't have to like everything. Uh, mm-hmm. My number one is going to be the least surprising entry on this list. I bet Mike could even guess it. Uh, Please go ahead. Destiny 2 Lightfall. No. Like the most <laughs> recent one. <laughs> that would be incredible, but you weren't far off because the correct answer is Halo Combat Evolved. Combat Evolved. Um, sure. Halo. And I'll tell you why. It's, Bungie. They do good yeah, work. Yeah, it's. I love first person shooters. This was the first one I really got into. Um, I had never seen Alien or aliens when this game came out. So some of the concepts here were like, wow. Um, admittedly they were borrowed. Um, this is just a fantastic game in every way. I had some great friends who we would have land, like land parties basically and string up together a bunch of consoles in a room. We'd have like four TVs, four consoles, eight dudes in a room. Uh, and it was awesome, man. I had some of the best times of my life in video games playing halo. Um, I love the story still, the, of this game, not the whole franchise, but this game, I love the story, and uh, uh, you know there was I've just never been more satisfied in a video game with like the blood pumping. This is fucking awesome. That's what this game delivered in every way. S- getting in a warthog and driving out while the ship is exploding to the music is still one of my favorite things to do. I've literally done streams where it's like all escapes. We're just doing all escapes today from all the blowups in Halo. Um, cause I love it so much. I just think it's great. It's again, very much the stand and cheer thing, which you're right. Swam. I do love that. Uh, that's what you're chasing. Yeah. Yeah. Not all I the am. Time, no, no, you're right though. I do chase the big, the, the big clap. You know, I do. Like, yeah. I chase Boom. that. <laughs> yeah. I love that shit. Um, yeah, you're right. Uh, and halo has a lot of it. Halo has several moments like, Oh, uh, at least they were for me when I was, you know, 20 or whatever age I was when this came out. Uh, yeah, uh, very few first-person shooters have satisfied me like this did. Maybe they can't. Um, some, like Bioshock, have expanded what I want out of first-person shooters. Um, but Halo stands apart at as being the perfect introduction to this genre, which is one of my three or four favorites for sure. And uh, I will always treasure the times I had playing it with my friends Tim and Doug and uh, others who spring to mind, but those guys in particular, cause it was their house. And, uh, thanks. Fuck you, Steve. <laughs> but thanks to those guys for, you know, I never owned Halo. Uh, but thanks to those guys for letting me oh, come over and play, yeah. play 20 oh. hours of Halo every weekend, you know? Major. Yeah. Great guys and great times. And, uh, it's what I think video games should be about. That's my list. Now do the thing I hate, Swamo. Good times were had by all. If you want to hear a bunch of other podcasts, including us and some of our friends on a wide variety of topics, head over to patreon.com slash small beans. But in the interest of brev interest of brevity. Okay. Uh, Adam, we don't do topics all the time. And when we Not do, always. we rarely do nostalgia trips and it's just, uh, media is so important to me that I want to take this opportunity to go down this list of these were all things that I swear were big contenders, like could have made the list, seriously. (laughs) Okay, And I want to know, I started with the most common down to the weirdest, wildest shit with the dumbest names. And I want to know if 
I want you to be like, played it, heard of it, okay. or no oh, idea. Oh, you're going to embarrass okay. me. All right. All right. Here we go. Played it, heard of it, or no idea. Okay. And it's how blessed, uh, looking back, I'm so grateful. I got to play so many different interesting you games really from did. early age. Yeah. StarCraft. Of course. Love it. Yeah, yeah. Metal Gear Solid. I have played Future some Man. of it, never finished it. We'll fix that next year. We should play it. It's yeah. fun as shit. Mist 3, Exile. I've played Mist 1 a bit. I've played Riven, the sequel to Mist. I've never played Mist 3. 3 was the easiest one, only one I got through on my own brain power, so it felt good. Okay. Smash TV. Uh, I believe I've tinkered with that at a friend's house, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Yeah. Echo the Dolphin. Yes, I've played that. <laughs> Final Fantasy Tactics. That's that one of big. them I haven't played. I've played oh. one, two... Oh, so two is four, by the way. One, it was like the first one, XCOM two, style. Yeah, game. seven, 13 I've played, 14 I've played, 15 I've played. Uh, Anyway, 10. Space Quest 1. Nope, don't know that one. When you were just like pixels on a green and tan screen. Nope. Oh my God, and you there was dehydrated water. You put a drop of water with it, it explodes okay. and kills the monster. Anyway, sure. Area 51, the light gun game, <laughs> Area 51. No. Oh, oh, wait, was that in the arcades? <gasps> Oh yeah, dude! Crazy uh, guys in rubber alien costumes yeah, 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 popping yeah, yeah, out yeah, from yeah, behind yeah, barrels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Dude, yeah, light yeah, gun yeah. games, man! Light gun games were everything, and now they're nothing. I was trying to think of one that had the bazooka, the Super Nintendo bazooka, because yeah. I loved that. But I Lethal Enforcers too. Yeah. yeah. You also, um, you mentioned the game that as kids we always in front of our parents called the cunt. <laughs> because <laughs> no. they couldn't. We were like, "What do you mean? We're saying the name of the game." Okay. Anyway, My dad would killed me. Oh, of course, many times. Okay. Yeah, Grim many Fandango. Times. Yes, of course. Baldur's Gate. Yes, I haven't played it, but I definitely know it. Remember this shit, dude? Lemmings. Yes, I do remember <laughs> Lemmings. Like it, the whole point of that game was stopping them from murdering themselves. Right? That's right. They want yeah, to kill yeah, themselves yeah, yeah, yeah. so hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam yeah. and Max hit the road, which I'm sure I, we'll I'm aware someday. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Day of the Tentacle, which I've mentioned before. Yep. Uh, Sim Ant, the nope. weird. Nope. Weird black sheep of the Sim City family. Uh, uh, MDK. Oh. MDK. Murder, yes. death, kill. Murder, death, kill. Yes. With the giant sniper head. Yes, that I was have. so yeah. cool to me. Full yeah, yeah. throttle. I have played the some of it. fully animated point and click about biker games. Yes, I've played a little bit of okay. that. I think you can still play that game on Game Pass. I, I think redrew, it's on Game Pass. I redrew that entire game as a 50-page comic book. That's like amazing. the plot of it. Um, yeah. Eternal Champions, the nope. fighting game. No? Nope. Darkstalkers, the fighting game. Nope. Bubsy. Yes, I have played a little <laughs> bit of Bubsy. Bubsy. Yeah, just a the little dig. bit. Yeah, the yeah. Lucas nope. Spielberg game. Nope. Decap Attack, the game where you nope. flew with your feet and you're a mummy that shot skulls out of your chest. Uh, no, sir. Uh, Starship Titanic, the game written by Douglas fucking Adams, the author no. of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, starring John Cleese and Monty Python people. No, that's fun. Um, the Journeyman Project. Nope. I really wanted to do this. We're getting into some weird know, stuff. Dude, this is giving some listeners like nostalgia. Yeah, joy. you're going to get all. comments from people um, like the, the yeah. four people that know what this is. Yeah. Penn and Teller's Smoke and Mirrors. Of course. Of course. Yeah, Everyone yeah. knows the Penn and Teller games. Bad yeah. Mojo, the game where you play as a cockroach. No. Specter Supreme. One. Nope. Escape Velocity. I mentioned Splunks. I've mentioned Final Zone. The mech game, Final Zone? Nope, didn't play it. Nope, haven't played that. Night Trap. Nope. The Wacky Rape Game. <laughs> um, Is that scare- what it's called? 
Is that no, the title of it? it's just called okay. Night Tramp, but it's about scantily clad women getting assaulted by like oh God. Um, guys in spandex suits. And you got to stop a, them. There was a lot more of that in video games than My mom confiscated it. She read yeah. an article saying you shouldn't let your kids have it. Yeah, she took yeah. it away. Scarab of Raw. Oh, someone out there uh, just came. I believe... <laughs> And I'm gonna imagine that happening. Now I, I I remember the name of that, but I don't know anything about it. Dust, a tale yes. of the Wired West. I remember it. I haven't played it. Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. Good game. I believe I've heard of it, but I okay. I mean now I would think. We're in the home stretch. I'm hoping to stump you, but we'll see. Wonder Boy and Monster World. Nope. Alex Kidd in Miracle World. Nope. Completely unrelated franchises. Okay. The, there's no way you'll ever. The residents present a bad day on the midway. I feel like you're just making up short story titles now. Cause that, that was a that game by like the anything. band, by the weird avant-garde band, The Residents. They were like an avant-garde punk band. It was a okay. pack-in video game that came with one of their albums, and I was All obsessed right. with how fucking weird it was. Lodestar, The Legend of Tully yes. Bodine. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like Lodestar <laughs> so is one of the way. I thought it, you would think that was made up. Yeah. And then... Uh, um, it's it sounds more made up than any media I've ever encountered. Victor Vector and Yondo in the Cyberplasm Formulae. <laughs> Man, these are ridiculous titles. Uh, All no, games I never heard that of I loved as a kid. I'm done. Okay, wow. Uh, I, here are some that I have on a list that I did not include. Shout out. I almost included Legend of Zelda 2, specifically because one of the best friends I had as a kid, and I bonded over that game and the Nintendo Power about that game. And uh, Kung Fu, a game that I just love for the dumb, the dumb levels. You Is know, that like where you, you would just walk and you just yeah. either punch or kick? Yeah. 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 Remember that That's one all. where the helicopter yeah. would drop guys into hay piles, little yes. stick figures? Yeah. Yes. That's, that yes, that I do. Kung the Fu paper was like, airplane game. Kung Fu was the one that was like, like, I, I actually think Kung Fu is a contender for the same thing that, Ty, that Mike Tyson's punch out. Is doing which is yeah, guys. It's a very now we're light talking like proposal. rudimentary early yeah. video games. Yeah, right, 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 right. And like Kung Fu, I found to be a little dull ultimately. But it's ultim- It's basically like a, a, a. It's a puzzle in that you have to figure out the order of it's things rock, paper, you have to scissors. do. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, we've gone way too long. We <laughs> yes, violated our own out. covenant. So that's it. Hopefully, you know exactly who to ignore from now on. Uh, or hopefully you've heard the name of a game you haven't heard in 20 years. Either way, we've entertained you to our best degree. Thanks, Swamo, for coming back and joining me for another fun one. See you guys next time. (laughs) 